Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special Cane and Rinse interview podcast. And uh, please allow me to introduce you to, although you may be familiar with his voice, possibly if uh, you have played such games as Uncharted 4 A Thief's End and Titanfall 2 and Elder Scrolls Online, uh, it is actor, voice actor, and actor Raphael Corkill. Hello. Welcome. Yeah, that's uh, that's such an interesting distinction because there are so many actors who kind of distinguish themselves. You know, they say I'm a voice actor or mm. I'm a you know this kind of actor, but um, you know, so much of it is you know there's so many overlaps um between them. But uh, but no, especially in in LA, you get a lot of voice actors who you know that's that's what they do is is uh yeah. is voice acting. But uh, but yeah, it's really great to be here. This is a uh, really exciting um yeah. It's uh, I love your podcast. It's uh you know it's it's really great stuff. Oh, thank you very much. Uh yes, and I forgot to check now obviously you're an extremely well-spoken English gentleman. Um but so I'm would your would your would your mother and father say Raphael or Raphael? Yeah, they'd say uh Raphael. Raphael. Uh, cool. Yeah. I yeah, like it. First one and then um and then Rafe is my nickname. Oh, uh, okay, you're a Rafe. Wow. Mm. That is that is posh if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> and normally some people sometimes we get um we have a lot of transatlantic listeners and, and right. I know you're based over there and uh people describe me as the posh English one. But uh, I think hopefully US listeners listening to this show will now hear that I am barely middle class compared to uh Compared compared to Rafe here, so ah uh, no, I, we're we're all in the same ballpark. We're all, we're, all, we're all British, and that's what counts. <laughs> all received pronunciation, yeah. um, but yes, I'm from uh, I'm from the south coast, and you're from you're a Londoner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Born and born and raised, and then came out here when I was 19. I came out here for for university um, to begin okay. with, and then uh, stayed on and went to drama school, and then uh, have been here close to 13 years. Time's wow. flown. Yeah. Okay, so that, that leads into my first question. So, was the acting life uh, was it a calling? Uh, was it something that you had in your bones or your blood, and that you would you were desperate to do? Drama school always on the cards, or is it something that uh, you kind of happened upon? Oh, it's been there since forever. I mean, there's there's stories that when I was three or four and barely able to walk, kind of you know, to be a performer, and yeah. I'd just go up alongside of him, you know, and just start kind of you know doing some kind of I don't know performance art uh next to him just there's there's yeah. like an instinctive performer within me um and acting so i was a musician for a long time i was a, a, a choir boy a chorus okay. um growing up and played the cello my parents are both um classic musicians right um so it was kind of a thing that we had to do uh my sister and i um yeah and so i yeah did that for the longest time then when i was 15 um my sister had this friend from ballet who was this young you know pretty girl getting into commercials and she was on EastEnders and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I realized this is a legit thing you can do. Um, like you can become an actor. Um, and I was 15 yeah. and I said, you know, uh, mom, I'm going to do my GCSEs and then I'm going to leave school and, you know, take some acting classes and, you know, and then just be an actor. What do you think? <laughs> um, and she, uh, just, we were in the car. I remember this so clearly put her foot on the brake and just looked at me and in her mind, her monologue must've been, how can I, dissuade him from this without completely crushing his spirit um and she said Rafe just at the very least do your A-levels and then you know get a degree then you can do whatever you want mm. um because it's such an unpredictable profession and yeah. um you know she was a freelance musician as well she did a lot of music for films and uh you know tv commercials and tv shows and so she knew the unpredictability of the of the freelance creative lifestyle mm. 
So, um, you know, I was crushed. <laughs> so she didn't really, uh, didn't really succeed in, you know, in that, but you know, I just took, you know, I kind of just put it on the shelf for a while and just did oh. other kinds of, you know, um, creativity, you know, I was, uh, I was a DJ and, you know, a few different things. And then after, after college, as they call it at here, university, um, I did a six week, uh, summer intensive conservatory. And that was really my first kind of foray into acting. Um, and then I discovered you could do, uh, what they call an MFA out here, master of fine arts, uh -huh. which is just a three year drama school. Um, but it's kind of, it's different because, um, you know, you're older going into, you know, you've already got an undergraduate degree. So there's a kind of level of, you know, life experience and um, kind of dedication because I don't know how kids go to drama school in their 18. I'm so impressed by it because I, I, I could not have coped. So I wouldn't have right. been able to do it. But, mm. uh, but at 23, 24, um, I went out to uh, the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. They're well known for their film school. Um, and uh, they, you know, they've got a great theater school there as well. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it was a really wonderful experience. Was there for three years, and then um, stayed in LA for three years after to focus on the voiceover thing and you know get some good traction there. Um, but it's not really my city, and so moved to moved to New York a couple of years ago. Right, and uh, you you're one of the people who uh, falls in love with New York as soon as you get there, kind of thing. Oh my gosh, I mean it's. <sighs> Have, have you been? Sadly not, no. It's, I mean, it's just amazing. It's like, it's like London in many ways. Like, it's very international. Yeah. It's got a very, you know, kind of finance, business-orientated kind of energy um, where people are constantly in a rush. Um, I think something additional about New York is that because you're so kind of hemmed in by these really tall buildings and... Uh, you know, and just, just, you know, just, it's, you know, the streets are quite narrow. It's, there's, there's an additional kind of intensity here, mm. um, to, to London. Mm -hmm. Um, so it can get, it can get pretty exhausting, but I, I mean, I just love it. It's, um, and yeah. then for the creative thing as well, it's just yeah. awesome because it, you know, I, my sense is that in LA, you know, kind of egos can get out of check and you know, mm -hmm. people can, you know, lose a sense of, you know, what the real world is about. Yeah. Um, because the world's about so much more than kind of film and TV. Um, whereas in New York, you know, there's real life happening here. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's beautiful for that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely on, uh, one of the many things on my bucket list along with, uh, you know, 40 years worth of video games that I'm catching up with, as you'll have heard on the, uh, on, on, oh my the, on the other podcast. Um, it's amazing. yeah. And also, uh, you, I see, have you done, you've done some, uh, trading of the boards in New York as well, I assume as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one of the really cool things. And one of the things that drew me out here was mm. just how strong the theater scene is here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's been a few different projects. The most recent one was this, um, premiere of a new play. It was this really abstract piece, um, by this Puerto Rican American, uh, playwright. Her name is Janina Braschke. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's uh yeah it's really abstract um but really really cool uh so it was just a just a small cast on ensemble piece at this off-broadway space uh called columbia stages it's connected with columbia university um yeah and so there's that but more and more i mean there's all kinds of you know all angles of the industry here i mean they've got more and more really wonderful tv stuff that they're shooting yeah of out course there. yeah um and of course you know the to be honest the big kind of Triple A video game titles are all still in LA. Yeah. Because um, that's where, you know, EA, uh, Naughty Dog, you know, um, Blizzard, you know, that's where, all, that's where they all have their studios. Yeah. Um, but there are some amazing and really cool 
independent uh, yeah. video game developers out here in New sure. York. Um, and that's where some of the really exciting stuff is happening. Definitely. So uh, obviously you like your video games. If you listen mm. to Kane and Rince, uh, you must be into games. It's not something that a casual kind of gamer would listen to necessarily. Ap- apologies for using the uh, sometimes um, derogatory sounding epithet of casual gamer. I didn't mean it that way, listen, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but I won't be offending you because you're listening to this anyway. Um, all experts. Yeah, absolutely. All uh, enthusiasts, let's say. So mm-hmm. yeah, you... Your passion for games, did that grow up alongside your passion for acting? Was it just always there, part of your childhood? Oh, yeah. I mean, very much so. I mean, I think when I got my N64, I was a little bit like that, you know, that famous YouTube clip of that kid and his sister just over the moon. For sure. I mean, it was... uh... It's just such an important cultural thing for, I mean, I'd say our generation. Definitely. Um, well, you know, and then we're and almost then the same generation. I'll, I'll, I'll just about fall in that bracket with you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a big family. Um, and then even younger, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I think, you know, my parents' generation just don't really, you know, have a grasp on just how important it is mm. and how, you know, so many of the, this is going to sound really accurate now, but so many of the stories that we kind of grow up with stem from video games for sure yeah um and uh you know that's like a universal thing um Mm. that's something we've been doing since we were cavemen sitting around a campfire you know just telling stories about you know our day or kind of letting our imagination just roll and you know sharing sharing ourselves with each other just through through narrative um and that's and i think video games are yeah breaking new boundaries in that way um and especially you know growing up there wasn't really the kind of cinematic aspect to video games there wasn't that kind of mm. you know the cutscenes back then were you know kind of more clunky and uh yeah, rudimentary yeah. yeah and kind of tacked on and there'd be a break um from you know playing a game to then you know fade to black and then all of a sudden there'd be a you know an interactive scene um where you'll just watch um passively whereas now it's it's amazing to me especially in something like elder scrolls where mm. you know you'll be playing you'll be doing a mission and then it'll seamlessly blend into um, an interaction, you know, figuring something out with your guild members or with, you know, an NPC, um, and then continuing the story forward that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's, it's amazing stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the tech, you know so much more about the tech um, aspect than I do. You know, I'm not already, I don't know much about kind of programming and all of that. Um, you know, I know from a, you know, player standpoint, um, and then from the kind of, you know, voice uh, acting standpoint. Mm. Um, so I'm kind of just standing back in and marveling at, you know, when they produce a game like Elder Scrolls or, you know, any of the Call of Duty, um, you know, franchise games. It's, yeah, it's incredible stuff. I'm interested, actually. I must admit, I haven't played Elder Scrolls online. It's not something I could um, possibly uh, commit mm. to, given given my schedule. But mm. having played uh, the, you know, the standalone Elder Scrolls games in the past, that it's a series, uh, Oblivion particularly, because it, I think it was the first one with voice in that series uh, with um, large amounts of voice acting. Um, and it was criticized for having a very small pool of actors that were used for a very large number of characters. And it was <laughs> quite apparent. And there weren't that many different accents on display. Um, it was mainly American or or some sort of uh, slightly anglicized version of American. So yeah. in some ways, it, it was uh, a distraction. Um, I assume with Elder Scrolls Online, um, they, they it sounds like they kind of maybe... Um, spread out a bit more and and got in maybe some more talent and um more regional accents and and things like that too because obviously 
this a huge, massively multiplayer world to populate. Um, exactly. I mean, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, my what I I actually play a lot of um, kind of old fashioned board games. Like I'm a big D and D fan. Sure. Um, and that's exactly one of the things that you know anyone who plays RPGs loves is the breadth of the universe because mm. um, it reflects our own world. You know, when you get you know people from different cultures, different you know abilities, different races, all coming together for you know for a single cause or you know going against each other, you know, to compete for something. Um, and yeah, and so to have that reflected in the Elder Scrolls Online is is I think one hundred percent what they were going for um, because each of the you know, the different races themselves, you know, whether it's the, so I played a, a Bosma, which is a wood elf, and then a Dunma, which is the dark elf. Yeah. Um, and then they also have the Altma, which are the high elves. Um, and for each of those, I mean, they were, you know, really specific in yeah. wanting, you know, um, yeah, details for each of the dialects. So they wanted, you know, the high elf to be very kind of aristocratic and, you mm. know, um, you know, in that kind of world. They wanted the dark elves to have that kind of intellect, but you know, at the same time, you know, you're you know, you're wondering what they're really up to. Yeah. And then the kind of wood elf, they just wanted a little bit more kind of earthy, kind of more jolly, and just uh, you know, they were you know, the producers were really tuned into those specific differences that you know, growing up in the UK, we're kind of instinctively aware of, but you know, around the world, they're you know, they're not as tuned into. Um, so they're really uh, yeah, and then you know, in. In LA, there's people from all over the world. I mean, you get you know, Middle Eastern actors, you get African actors. Um, you know, it's really it's 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 a hub for for some of the world's greatest um, acting talent. So they're able to draw through the you know different voiceover agencies. You know, people from all over the world to mm. really bring out the you know the really specific um, you know dialects that they need for each particular character. Mm. So which uh, which games were you particularly passionate about uh, in well any you know now or then as as a as a kid what 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 games cemented your love for the medium or or have sustained it over the years? Well, you know this is where I'm gonna growing up. This is where I'm gonna reveal myself as you know a quote casual gamer because <laughs> uh, I uh, I because mean, I listen to your podcasts and I you know it's it's you know there's such detail and history there. Um, so the, you know, the recent one you did on MDK, mm. um, I remember being aware of that, but I mean, it was never, you know, I was never a PC guy. I never really had yeah. the kind of big setup of, uh, you know, a home built, um, no, PC. No. Well, me neither until relatively recently. So, but oh, yes. Yeah. But that said, the first thing I did play on was my dad had an Amstrad. I don't know if you remember those. It was, uh, yeah. CPC 464. There you go. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're if those are two different models or the green screen thing. or color screen. It was the it was the Matrix style green screen. Super, yes. Um, with a cassette player that yes. you you know had all the programs. Absolutely, um, Roland in the caves. Yeah, abs- Well, there you go. And then there was there were a few. There were two that stood out for me. There was one called uh, Harrier Attack. Yes, um, yes, which was which I loved. I mean, that was my the thing is it was too complex for me as I don't know a six year old to control the bombs and you know yeah. missiles as well as the buttons, yeah. up and down keys. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that's but you know what's cool about that game is that you know at the beginning when you take off from your aircraft carrier, yeah, do, you've got yeah. a choice. You can bomb your own aircraft carrier. That's right. Yes, and then at the end, if you've done that, you know you, there's nowhere to land. Yeah, um, and then so you just run out of fuel and crash. But that's that's so cool and specific. Mm. Um, Only because that sandbox sort of that was, yeah. Little bit you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, that kind of, you know, um, dedication to story, which is, you know, where your actions have consequences. Um, you know, it's way more complicated now. 
But that's one of the things that's amazing about video games is that it allows a player to you know really control the world he lives in within some rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but no, that I remember that was one of the early that was the earliest game I played, and then there was another one called Blagger, which is where yes. you're this um, you know robber trying to yeah. run around. That was a little bit too complicated for me. Um, but yeah, then then from there to you know a Game Boy um, to you know just the standard N64, and then uh, then on you know every generation through there. Um, but no, some of the big games were you know groundbreaking games that everyone knows and loves, like Goldeneye. I mean, that's extra- that's even stands up today, the original version. Um, and, uh, you know, throughout college, we played as, you know, getting into Halo by then as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, all those games are, yeah, profound. You know, Zelda as well, just the story for that. Um, you know, just, yeah, that's the kind of thing that really moves me. Because you know, I know you've got a kind of sister podcast as well for music. Sound of play. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's amazing. And because that's such an important thing for, for telling stories. Um, Absolutely. And each, you know, the Zelda soundtrack is, you know, is legendary in that respect. Same with, you know, obviously James Bond. But uh, mm. yeah, no, I mean, that's what sticks in my mind as much as anything else is the, yes, is the whole experience. And obviously, so you were uh, growing up with this uh, desire to act. Now, of course, mm. we've discussed many times on the podcast that obviously um, the what was expected from performances, vocal performances in games when when we first, you know, sampled speech came in very early on, but it wasn't really acting until sort of uh, till the 32 bit era. We started to get actual uh, vo- vo- you know, vocal performances in, in CD games. But early on, it would often be, um, you know, staff or, or the you know the the, the uh, apprentice or you know mm-hmm. just some anyone they roped in and we talked about the differences between um we'd covered broken sword recently which was a 1997 game um which had uh, proper sort of british radio style voice acting a bit mm. a bit a bit plummy a bit fruity a bit hammy mm-hmm. but basically proper acting in it um however there were other games around that same period you know resident evil and shenmue and things like that which had absolutely risible you know uh, uh, appalling attempts at, at, uh, at human uh, sort of uh, performances. So you must have been, I, I, I wonder, obviously, you know, you'd have been immersed in films and theatre and TV and whatever else and thinking about acting, but did the idea of acting in games come up relatively early or did it seem like, well, that would never, you know, did you consider that that would be a thing that you might be able to do in your career at some point? Well, you know, that was such an interesting question because that was a big thing coming out of drama school. You know, it's how am I going to make money? Yeah. How, what am I, what am I going to do? How am I going to get work? Um, and, you know, it was, it, was, it was quite clear that coming out of drama school, I had this competitive advantage of being able to do different accents right. um, and having English accents and then having a deeper voice. And, you know, I realized that that would be kind of a marketable thing. Yeah. Um, and so I got a voiceover agent um, coming out of uh, drama school. Um, and, you know, it was there that I realized that there's such breadth in terms of, uh, in terms of the voiceover world. Um, and one of those, one of those key things is video games. Mm. Um, so in a way, it's a great thing that to that point, I'd never really thought, you know, I'd never really thought about voice acting in video games as its own kind of thing, because, mm. you know, that means it's good. You know, if you're not aware of the acting, um, then that's, then they're doing a great job. You know, if you're just focusing on the story and, you know, you're just wondering what's going to happen next, then that's, that's ideal. That's what an actor's job is. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, as I got more and more into the, into the voiceover world and got to know it, I, you know, it's just so extensive. 
yeah. um, you know, how it, how it works. And from there, you know, from that first job that I got on Elder Scrolls, which ended up being really extensive, you know, yeah. it, was, it's, it, was, it was a whole, I don't know, year and a half, two years wow. kind of in and out of the studio. Oh, it's when they first sent me my first um, pack um, mm-hmm. of, of lines, of cues, I, you know, I, I figured this was going to be all right, this is the whole job. And it was no, it was two sessions, but there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lines. Um, yeah. Just because, I, you know, I didn't, I'm sure I didn't need to tell you, but the way that the writers create the story, it's, um, there are so many branches and then course, branches yeah. off those branches. Mm. Um, you know, whereas, so the whereas a film is, you know, 90 minutes, two hours long, yeah. you know, Elder Scrolls is hundreds of hours long. Um, so, you know, they need to really fill that content with, uh, with a wide range of characters and a wide range of of, uh, of actors. Um, and I think that's one of the things that they, uh, you know, really accomplished. Um, cause I, the way that game worked is that it was just me in the studio with a microphone and then a director, yeah. um, on uncharted, it was me with, uh, a scene partner. Um, okay. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because I know that uh, naughty dog are famous for trying to recreate this sort of the, the same scenario as you might have on a stage or a movie set. Well, I mean, look, Last of Us and, you know, all the Uncharted, uh, you know, series games are in amazing for their acting. I mean, that's next level. I think that's totally. really where the, uh, the industry's heading, where it, it goes away from that kind of, um, all right, well, now it's a kind of, you know, story part and, you know, we're going to have this, the, you know, you can sometimes feel that jar when it's a little bit hokey and, you know, actors, you know, aren't used to voice acting. Um, but they, uh, you know, and suddenly it's like, all right, well now it's the performance part. Um, with last of us, I mean, all those actors, Ashley Johnson, I mean, is extraordinary. Um, and Nolan North in uncharted. I mean, really just, uh, those guys are experts. I mean, they just, they created that kind of, you know, that, that industry of voice acting. Um, and so my partner was this really, he's a really wonderful actor. His name's Arde McCormack. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a really interesting story. He's originally from Sierra Leone, but went to, you know, English star boarding schools in Africa and then went to drama school like me in the United States. Right. So he's got this, you know, he's got a wide range of experiences and dialects to draw upon, including South African. Um, mm. So, you know, he and I would turn up these, you know, pretty RP sounding guys and then all of yeah. a sudden, you know, just suddenly switch into some kind of rough and tumble kind of, uh, you know, Beautiful. South African mercenary and, uh, you know, just like looking for Nathan Drake. And um, he, he was such a joy to work with. And, um, and that's exactly what Naughty Dog realized was that by putting two actors in the booth together, um, just that's how magic can happen. Um, and you can just really vibe off each other yeah. and, and also kind of up each other's game. Because if you're like, damn, he nailed that line. Wow. Yeah. What did he do? That was amazing. I'm, I need to do it now. Um, then, you know, that, and that's what actors do. Like, it's always collaborative, but there's always that little undercurrent of competitiveness. You know, it's like, wow, he really, uh, he really kind of nailed that scene. I've got to, you know, really bring it now, um, which is great because it, because it, you know, just raises, raises the bar. Um, so working with him, you know, for that, for that project was wonderful. Um, but again, it's, it's interesting as well because, you know, for Titanfall and for um, Elder Scrolls, you know, it's just you in the booth. But, you know, the director um, then plays your scene partner. They're not, you know, trained, trained actors. Yeah. Um, you know, you understand that. But they do such wonderful stuff in kind of bring it to life. And, you know, you'll, you know, they'll dive into the character and they'll say your line's going to be, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen him. Uh, 
I haven't seen him. I think he, I think he disappeared into the bush. You know, there's going to be some kind of line that cues you into that, which is, did you hear that sound? Yeah. Was that Nathan Drake? Um, so assuming that Arde isn't there, you know, the director will kind of, you know, bring in some, some cool, fun energy to kind of get you in that space of, uh, my gosh, urgency, you know, we've got to find this guy. Mm. Um, so they really go out of your way, go out of the way to help you. Cause it's, you know, it's a lot of imagination work when it's just you, a microphone, and then, you know, a plate of glass and then, uh, engineers on the other side. Uh, so they really do, they understand, you know, they understand, you know, the actors just coming in here, you know, to, to just bring this thing to life. Um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and uh, in games like Uncharted 4 uh, and Titanfall 2, and I know um, they've, they've just done a thing with Uncharted 4, um, they, they, take a, they take a great pride in, in the overall sound, the ambience and, and the audio and the fact that it's all together. I saw a promotional thing for the new 3D headphones that are coming out for Uncharted 4, so they've recorded all the sound in 3D, so that is to say not only surround but also vertically, so there's up and down sounds for, you know, for the you know, engine noises and whatever else, so you can locate yourself in real space but i think one of the things going back again to those early uh, earlier uh, video game scenes was that it very often was blatantly apparent that the actors involved had never been anywhere near each other now um i think they've got better at masking that when it is the case that you don't get to work directly but i think there is still something detectable um, when actors have actually got to work together. That said, I know that even in some of the, you know, the biggest and most enjoyable CGI Hollywood animated films, a lot of the time the actors in those don't ever get to actually um, mm. act alongside each other. So in a way, the in, you know the games industry is kind of leading in that regard. Obviously, it's probably harder to get AAA stars, you know, A-list Hollywood stars um in the in the booth at the same time but i think it's something to aspire to because exactly that um yeah you get that that actual genuine interaction rather than rather than having to fake it absolutely and i tell you what's so cool is that is that the game companies are paying so much attention to that yeah you know it's really from an actor's standpoint that's that's beautiful because it makes you as an actor feel um you know, as though they just understand and respect, you know, it's not just, all right, well, let's just bring in, you know, these guys and, you know, just whatever. It doesn't really matter anyway. You know, they, they realize it does matter. Um, and, you know, some of the, you know, some of the best feedback I've had from my work in general as an actor has been from, from gamers who right. all of a sudden, you know, when they say, my God, you were in Elder Scrolls, ah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they're just so excited about the, yeah, totally. Yeah. About the whole story and the fact that, you know, my gosh, they're really is a real person who kind of, you know, did the voice of, yeah. uh, you know, this thing. It's, it's kind of this, you know, this, this matrix moment where they're just like, wow, there's, but there's real people who do that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as an actor, that's, that's 100% what you want. You know, when I'm on screen, on stage, you know, you don't want people kind of like looking at you thinking, yep, yep, that's good acting. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, 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 uh, he's doing good acting there. You, know, you just want people to kind of think, my God, but what's going to happen to Hamlet next? <laughs> um, or, uh, you know, what's he going to do, Macbeth? Um, you know, and that's, uh, but the passion that comes with the video games from the producers to the players, to everyone involved. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. No one's kind of, no one's kind of phoning it in. No one's kind of just thinking, mm. uh, yeah, you know, this is my day job, but, uh, you know, my real passion is this everyone, this is their passion. Yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, when, once we'd wrapped and uh, Uncharted 4 had been released, um, they're so cool at Naughty Dog. You know, they took me along and just showed me around the, uh, the you know, the big 
breakfast they have in in LA. And they were even though the game had been released, they were still there. Um, mm. You know, just beaving away on the new kind of DLC content, or yeah. uh, you know, creating new art or responding to fan requests. Um, you know, and I think for a film, there's always going to be kind of a crush for you know six to eight weeks while you're while you're shooting. Mm. This this was a crush for a year and a half. Um, like they were sprinting a marathon. Yeah, um, totally. I remember you know Arden and I would go into the studio and. You know, they'd be kind of just coming in, just, you know, having had literally three hours sleep, having been up until five the night before, just making sure that all the text, all the scene work is is ready to go for the uh, for the for this for the recording the mm. next day. Um, yeah. But I mean, they they love it as well. And then when a game does as well as Uncharted uh, did or, you know, gets as many cool reviews as Titanfall did and, you know, same with Elder Scrolls. I know that it means just so much to them because they've yeah. devoted five years of their lives to a, to just a single project. Absolutely. Yeah. So I played uh, through the single player campaign of Titanfall 2 after you and I first spoke on email. So obviously I was oh, listening cool. out for you, but now yeah. I was I was listening out for an English sounding guy. But I know you've got a bit of a repertoire of accents and I know there's plenty of Afrikaans people in Titanfall 2. But there's also there's there's some. Uh, so so. Uh, yeah, which which voice or voices did you use in Titanfall Two? Did I miss you completely? <laughs> no, no, that was um. They wanted much more of a kind of just like down here, just like more military kind of guy. Yeah, who's more of a grunt, just like turned up. Yeah, boy, frag released. Make sure you're over there. Guard the windows. Guard the doors. Get in there. Get out. No heroics. Nice, like something like that. Just kind of direct. You know, a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Yeah, not really kind of my natural voice. Um, you know, I, I'm actually, no, I did something close to my natural voice in uh, in Elder Scrolls, you know, right. for, like a, for, for Dunma. Um, yeah, but yeah. No, I, I think for games where they require military stuff, they just want kind of, you know, gritty, like tough sounding. You know, I, I guess I don't sound tough, to be honest, Leon. <laughs> so uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking on your uh, your resume here at mm. uh, your agency or one of your agencies, and mm. uh, you're also... Uh, you were down as also being able to do uh, Texas and Massachusetts. I'm not asking you to be a performing monkey here, by oh, the way. No, uh, this is this is my party trick. I'm a, <laughs> you know, I, I lived in Nashville for um, for close to a year. After college, I moved down there, and I used to take the Greyhound bus every week to to Knoxville. So I met so many different characters on that bus. Let me tell you, nice. and uh, you know, people down there they're so charming, and they saw this British guy come down, and were just like, "Oh my God, we're gonna be so nice to your face, but we're gonna talk." so much smack behind your back um so uh, very useful uh <laughs> these are very useful tools uh of course for not just for general acting but it does for must life make you, for life as well life yes, skills for, for prank phone calls um <laughs> for, uh, but for um for a, a production uh where your face isn't seen so you can obviously perform multiple different parts without having to you know be completely have different makeup on so so animation cgi video games that kind of thing um playing I mean, being able to play multiple roles has got to be an advantage hasn't it you've hit the nail on the head when it comes to one of the best things about voice acting which is yeah. whereas for you know ca especially camera stuff you know theater you get a little bit more leeway where you can play someone who's 10 years older than you or yeah. you know uh you know just kind of maybe looks different to the way you look naturally um on camera you know they just want you to be the guy um you know mm. so you know it's not going to be very often that i'm not going to be able to play a white guy in his early 30s yeah um you know for voiceover 
it's you know the sky's the limit and so nadine you know and i know there's a bit of controversy about this in mm. in uncharted 4 Na- nadine who's a, you know black south african woman was played by a white american woman mm. um and uh you know politics aside you know that there, mm. there is because no one can see your face no one can see your gender even so some of yeah. my friends who are women play young boys play like teenage boys absolutely yeah that's a classic um theater isn't it i mean that goes goes back to um you know shakespearean times doesn't it playing the wrong gender and stuff uh, that's so you know i've never thought about that that's exactly right that uh but what a flip that, you know, mm. young boys would play mm. women back then. Now you yes. get women playing young boys. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, children's television often used a lot of that. You'd hear these familiar voices that were uh, obviously they needed ch- child characters for children's mm. shows. But obviously you can't you can't work a child to death in a recording studio and they won't always do what you tell them. So you get a, a woman in with a with a You know, I mean, think God, think about uh, the, the Simpsons. You know, it's been the same yeah. women playing Bart and Lisa for uh for a quarter of a century or more, whatever it is now. Yes. Oh my God. That's a, it's an amazing thing to watch mm. and hear because, you know, that's absolutely right. You know, as I was a kid, um, you know, I did stuff, you know, school and school productions, but like most kids aren't going to be, have that range of emotion or expression. Mm. Um, you know, they'll yeah. have a good day and they'll have a bad day. Whereas, you know, for recording, you need to be, every day needs to be a good day. You need to be on it. Mm. Um, and so to watch, you know, like a 35, 40 year old woman just suddenly get the, I'm not even going to try it, but get the kind of energy and a little yeah. kind of tough guyish thing of, you know, some 13 year old boy, um, mm. you know, with still the uncertainty and the kind of like, maybe kind of like a, a huskiness. It's, it's insane. It's amazing to watch any, any girl or woman who can play young kids, that's, they'll make bank. They'll make so much money because there's so many, you know, kids TV shows, um, you know, yeah. animated things for Disney channel or mm. Nickelodeon that just require, um, you know, young, young kids. Absolutely. I wish, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Well, I, you, there must be a, a lot of roles for you as, uh, as, uh, you know, I, I think, um, American stuff, uh, both children and adult stuff still tends to lean on, on the, uh, the ar- aristocratic Englishman as the bad guy. I can definitely see or hear you as, a, as, uh, as some, some, some evil dudes in some stuff. That's got to, that's got to work. But again, back to your repertoire, you've also got, uh, Irish and French and Russian in, in your arsenal. And, uh, and as well. So we were talking about the performing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you also do stage combat and parkour and boxing. So if, if there was a part, uh, where motion capture was, was, uh, was in play, have you done any of that yet? Was that something you, you'd like to do? You know, one of the roles I auditioned for was for like, this is going to sound so funny, but it was for Rafe on Uncharted 4. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, who's the kind of lead bad guy. Yeah. Um, Did and, Troy, uh, Troy Baker got that in the end? He, um, I don't think he got it. I forget the name of the actor. He played Sam. Oh, Sam. Um, sorry. Yes. Okay. Is, yes. No, uh, Warren Cole played Rafe. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Um, and they changed the origin. They were thinking they wanted some kind of, you know, privately educated kind of up school Brit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then they changed it to, uh, to, you know, a privately educated up school American. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but no, for that, for so I, so Sony has this huge lot um, in Culver City in in LA, and one of the things they have, it's one of the few in the country, is this huge soundstage that's just for motion capture. Um, so and it's it's an amazing thing. I mean, they have tons of cameras all around, um, and you just kind of put on this. Uh, it wasn't one of those full body suits for the audition. You just put on this kind of hat so they can kind of map you right um, where you go. 
um, and they just want to see how you are physically. And there was absolutely a thing. I did a scene with Nolan North for that, where um, playing Rafe, you know, I get up a gun against his thing, shove him against a wall. And, uh, you know, he's actually a little bit bigger than me. He's, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's a bit taller than me and, you know, and stronger looking than I am. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I, that's, you know, but the guy with the guns, the guy with the power. Um, so it was cool. There was a cool power differential there. And then they just get you to tumble around and kind of, you know, dodge between, um, these kind of blocks and obstacles and stuff. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really cool thing, but what's so interesting about it, I've auditioned for a few different things for motion capture. Right. Um, but it's really, you know, kind of leaping off what you were saying before about this kind of return to, to theater and, um, you know, mm. it's a theme of returning to, you know, storytelling motion capture and video games really does take us back to, um, to theater in so many ways. Cause it's really, you know, we have this term performing in the round. Yeah. which is where you'll have a, um, a circular stage and then the audience sits all around. Yeah. So it's this 360 thing. Um, and that's exactly what motion capture is. Yeah, of course. Um, where, and because, you know, because your gestures, you know, your physicality needs to be bigger um, for a video game than for a screen thing, which is where you have a camera like six inches from your nose and it has mm. to be really small and very, you know, delicate. Otherwise, it just looks too big and horrible. Yeah. Um, for you know, for motion capture, you know, you have to really have a strong physicality there as well mm, yeah. um, in order to tell the story. So it really is sell the moves, kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the guys I read for was, um, I think the title was. They're really secretive about the titles. Um, they don't. You know, they're really. Yeah. They don't release the titles until the game gets released. Absolutely. Um, but I think it was dishonored and there was this big kind of rebel leader who I was reading for. Um, and the, you know, the casting director said exactly that, just pretend you're on stage, um, and just, you know, bring that, bring that theatrical performance to your, to your work. Mm. Um, because that, what, that's what reads really well, um, for, for video games. I mean, it's like text. Tech's amazing. I'm working on this VR project at the moment, this virtual reality project. Okay. Um, and one of the things we're discovering is that, um, it's, a, it's finding that balance where, you know, it's still camera. Um, so when you have a close up, when you're getting close to the, the VR, you know, recording sphere, you know, you can't do too much. Um, but at the same time, because it is, you know, it's, it's very theatrical in its scale. Mm. Um, you know, you do, you can have that kind of that bigger performance when you have that distance from the camera. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, technology is really just bringing, the whole history of kind of entertainment together from, you know, the earliest, you know, forms of theater and storytelling to, you know, really, you know, cutting edge, um, you know, forms of, of, of technology. It's, it's amazing. So tell us about a, a typical session. You've already sort of hinted at it, but obviously I, I am alluding to the recent industrial action by voice mm. artists. Um, so your experience, we know, like any, anyone who follows the industry a, a bit will know that um, being a, a kind of a voice artist will involve a, a lot of not necessarily um, precise repetition, but variations on a theme. Um, sure, so sure. Is, is that something that you've, you've had a, a lot uh, of experience of doing, you know, different grunts, different uh, readings of, you know, or similar readings of a different line or different readings of a similar line, that kind of thing? Oh, very much so. I mean, there's, uh, especially in battle scenes, of course, yes. um, when you're trying to identify or locate uh, an, an opponent, mm. um, you know, there'll be, 
you know, so there's a pillar, you know, kind of, you know, smashed down building and all that's left is a pillar. Um, you know, there'll be so many variations on, you know, he's behind the pillar, he's on top of the pillar, he's yeah. behind that pillar, he's behind, you know, there's uh, there's there's so much of that. And it all has to be at like a very intense level. Yes. Um, that's that's one of the draining, I would think, to, to, to do it for long periods. It's it can. Yeah. I mean, so now they're really, really understanding. And, you know, so they keep so Titanfall to uh, uh, Uncharted. They was they really kept. First of all, they kept all that stuff to the end. Um, because it can really right. just you know wear out your voice. Yes, um, yes, I've heard heard uh, much talk of this recently. Yeah. Well, and so that's where classical training is really helpful. Mm. Um, because if you have a strong voice and know how to use it properly and can warm up well, um, then you should be fine as long as the sessions you know don't go on for hours. But <laughs> now they, 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 they understand the thing is the quality of the the performance is just going to dip if some guy can't speak anymore. Yeah. Um, so they, they really, you know, and they're so cautious and careful. I've had nothing but really wonderful experiences from directors and producers, you know, just really. That's good to hear. Know, yeah. It's, and I think a lot of it comes from feedback from actors because, you know, if you're not an actor, it's, it's, you know, how can you understand what the, um, experience of it is like? So, the, you know, I don't blame, you know, any, you know, any you know producer for just not understanding that you know it's intense going mm. for you know hour after hour kind of yelling mm-hmm. you know i've done adr work so for um you know a big kind of you know something you know big pirate movie or a big kind of second world war movie all the battle stuff they'll record the noise for in post-production so once they've shot everything um, that's when they'll go and kind of record all the death screams and the battle cries yeah. and the, all of that stuff. And that I've had some not such great experiences with where they mm. really do kind of just push you, push you, push you. And, uh, yeah. you know, eight hours in, you're like, I mean, how are we going to wow. carry on doing this? Um, but no, for video games, they're, they're really wonderful and, you know, take as much care of our voices as, as we do. So it's, it's really, really cool for that. Um, yeah, the way it'll work is that, you know, to begin with, you'll have any scene work that you have. So if you're just having a discussion about, you know, what the plan is or, you know, um, you know, you're just kind of just chit chatting with a guy in the forest because, you know, you're just bored waiting for Nathan Drake to turn up or, you know, for Elder Scrolls, there was a lot of storytelling stuff. So, you know, you need to get the player to go and find this amulet and then bring it back. And then so there's that kind of conversational stuff they'll do first. Mm-hmm. Um but then, you know, for the final hour or so, sometimes two hours, sometimes more, that's when they'll really amp it up. And you'll just have to make sure you're kind of hydrated, make sure, you know, you've slept really well um, and that you're just ready to just scream your head off um, for, yeah. for an hour or two. Because that's because that's really what it is. Video games have to be super realistic. That's what they pride themselves on being is putting um, the player in as close to the reality of that situation as possible. Um, and, you know, really giving them a feel for, you know, the, you know, the, the intensity of being in, in the middle of battle. Yeah. Um, and so they need the, you know, the terror or the, you know, the violent anger or whatever it is, um, the panic to come through in the vocal performance. So, you know, they'll, they'll be like, all right, Rafe, the next, you know, hour, we need everything to be at, you know, a five out of five. Um, so you just yeah. have to gear up and think, all right, I'm just going to have to, you know, frag out, you know, I'm not warmed up, so I'm not going to do it now. Um, sure, but any worry. kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of frag out or, uh, yeah. you know, um, you know, 
he's 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 shielded or you know he's you know pilot's gone invisible or yeah. um you know whatever that that really gets gets amped up yeah that's and, a buzz just hearing somebody who worked on titanfall who loved i love titanfall uh so just hearing <laughs> hearing oh, somebody yeah. who's in the game saying pilot's gone invisible is very cool uh yeah. even if even if it's not a, a full intensity i think one of the things that um uh the industry has been obviously with larger file sizes and, and greater resources has been very careful to do one of the worst things when talkie started happening in games as it were mm. was re repetition of the same exact speech samples uh, recordings over <laughs> and over again so you know you would die and then you would re-enter a scene and the 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 entire exchange of dialogue between for mm. primary and secondary characters would all be literally identical, the same readings, the same takes over and over again. And one of the things yeah. that you guys have to suffer for now, although presumably it means you get more hours and therefore more wages, more is that you get to do uh, the same, uh, yeah, the, like variations on a theme. So and they get to mix and match them. So we get like umpteen different. It, you know, if if you're on a a, a little um, you know difficulty spike, you might die five or six times, but you won't actually hear the same uh, acting. You know, over and over again, which will just really rub salt into the wounds of of the player who's finding a, a a section difficult as you know as a game yourself well quite you know you're already irritated at having to just you know do this whole thing again and then again and again yeah. and then to have you know but why did you go over there you know just like that oh, same yeah. kind of cadence or all of that stuff you're just like oh my god just volume off mute yeah um, absolutely but it's no it's as an actor it's cool because it allows you to stretch your legs. And, I was going to you know, say, it must be fun and cathartic and therapeutic in some ways yeah. to, to let rip and both to play as an actor, even just the readings of lines, being able to muck around with it and do it over and over again. Um, but also oh, awesome. like the, 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 the really intense stuff, there's almost a kind of primal screen therapy element to it. Um, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that wears, maybe the thrill of that wears out over time, but there must be an element to it where, you know, cause in, in our daily lives, we don't, most of us don't get to scream our heads off, which um, which sometimes we would like to, but society deems it inappropriate, as I found out <laughs> in a supermarket. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> but you, yes, you know what I mean. Oh yeah, no, I mean especially for yeah the kind of you know the grunts, you know the battle grunts, whether it's you know you know there's there's a big difference between getting like a shotgun to the stomach versus a uh, <laughs> you know a you know a a sniper bullet to the forehead. Um, right, yeah. You know, those deaths are different. And within that, uh, you know, it just brings more reality. If uh, mm. you're in a fist fight with someone, um, you know, getting, uh, you know, the different levels of um, of hit, you know, would result in a different um, kind of exhale of breath or, uh, you know, kind of, you know, sure. stunned reaction. Mm. Um, so it's all about just, you know, making sure that the truth of the performance is, is, as, is as high as possible. Um, but I mean, that's, that's acting in general is that, you know, you never want to give, you know, some kind of generic reaction. You never want to just think, oh, OK, well, you know, this this is this is OK. This is what might happen. You know, you really you know, I don't want to sound you know, I don't want to give too much as though, well, you know, I really had to get into to kind of, you know, part for, you know, for that one falling off a 40 foot cliff. You know, it's it's, you know, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's you know, it's it's not as it's not it's not as intense as that. But but you do want to, you know, make sure that you're selling it and you're doing it properly. Um, and so as an actor, it's great to be able to give, you know, five or six variations to, to something, you know, that actually kind of matters a lot to the experience of the gameplay. Um, mm. And, you know, that level of specificity is that's so important to acting, whether it's on screen, whether it's on stage, really often when you don't see great acting, it's down to, you know, vagueness, um, you know, when, 
So just like a kind of brief idea of what I think good acting is, it's good. You see good acting when you see good thought, um, when you, you see someone kind of going from thought to thought to thought and that whether it's a Shakespearean monologue or a, um, you know, kind of interaction between a guy and a girl at a bar mm. or um, or even hearing it for, for video games um, when there's two people negotiating how they're going to you know complete a plan. What I think comes across is thought. That's that's I think what we as listeners, as viewers, as audience members are so interested in is, you know, other people is how other people kind of process information and, you know, take action and, you know, the decisions they make. Um, because really, we're kind of doing that at the same time ourselves. We're thinking, oh, my gosh, he did that. Oh, well, how would I do it? Um, you know, that's, you know, that's, I think, the key nature of what drama is. Um, and so, you know, if it's kind of vague, if the thought isn't clear, if the thought isn't specific, then, you know, it just takes you as the viewer out of it. You think, ah, yeah, whatever, you know, it's, I, you know, because you just, it just doesn't mean as much, you know, that the depth um, isn't there. Um, so, you know, whether it's video games or whether it's like an intimate, you know, breakup scene or whether it's, um, you know, some big, big monologue um, on stage, uh, you know, it's it's all the same work, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's that's really, uh, yeah, what what makes a performance work is, you know, having that specificity of thought. I don't know. Does that does that make? I, hope, I don't know if that makes sense. It's like kind of actory actors out there. It's all right. If we have an actor on, we want actory stuff. And this is Kane and Rince, so you can be as you know as as deep thinking as you like, and uh, there'll be no you know n- no negative recourse to that. Um, and also, I was going to say uh, the uh, the other thing about if you did a, a you know a dissatisfactory reading in in a, of a of a death scream or a or a line in a game, you know it's going to be clipped out on YouTube and laughed at for the next you know. Know, 10 years so you there don't, you you don't want to do that either do you <laughs> which which wouldn't happen in a stage place so. that's true but I, t- I kind of would love a meme to like come about <laughs> yeah, from like you yeah, know the I thing where so. they had you know I, I took a sh- I took an arrow in the shoulder um uh, you know the there knee. was like one it was the knee. in the knee in the knee from Skyrim right? <laughs> yeah that's the one um you know it's just, I would love that I would love that beautiful um, Nordic there by the way that's you should, you can add that to your uh to your to your repertoire um, my resume straight away. Uh, one thing I'm curious about, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit of Turkey, if I may, without obviously asking for personal details. Um, but I am curious mm. how how much of this type of work that we're specifically talking about would one have to do to make a living? Like I, I often I listen to a lot of podcasts with um, comedians and actors and things, and they talk about the the sort of stigma about doing commercials. Um, do it, you know, a comedian doing like a a, a cider commercial campaign mm. or whatever, basically pays for their house or whatever and that's wonderful but there's always a stigma with it now i don't think games have anything like that because it is now recognized as one of the you know the voice actoring arts and that's fine but i don't necessarily i wouldn't necessarily think that um you know the gigs you've had as playing you know relatively background characters would be um enough to live live off for the rest of your life so how you know do you have to do is it like a full-time job is it something that you can do pick and choose or is there any way of explaining this without you know, being yeah, inappropriate. I, th- I think when you reach the level of uh, some of the big guys, so Matt Mercer, for example, uh-huh. or uh, or Liam O'Brien, mm. um, you know, those guys, I think, really just work all the time. And so yeah. then they probably can make a nice living. Yes. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that they're renegotiating right now with this with this strike. Yeah, sure. Um, is bringing their goal is to bring the contract with 
the interactive media companies just up to date with the rest of the industry. Because yeah. I think when it was created 10, 15 years ago, you know, the voice acting thing for video games, well, interactive media in general just wasn't what it was, totally. what, it, what it is today. I mean, I heard some stat today that said every year the video game industry is growing by 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas for, for film, it's like 2%. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, you know, so it's, it's growing exponentially. It's growing hugely. Um, so if you're a voice actor and you do, um, commercials, yeah, you can make, yeah, you can make some serious money. And also if you do it for, um, kind of animated stuff for Disney or Pixar or, you know, DreamWorks, then, then you can really kind of make some, some really serious money for that. Um, partly, well, in large part, because they have a big residuals, um, set up where, you know, so royalties, depending on kind of international sales and how well it does at the box office and, you know, selling it to, um, you know, to Netflix or whoever, all of that money and revenue that comes in gets down the line redistributed a little bit to, to the actors, to the talent. Um, and so if something, you know, like Finding Nemo or, uh, mm. you know, Frozen, you know, you, yeah, if you were a voice actor on Frozen, then that's, that's like a pretty nice payday that will keep on coming for, for several oh, yeah. years. Yeah. Um, but for video games, they don't have any residual structure in place yet. Um, so that's one of the things they're renegotiating is I don't know if it'll become a natural kind of residuals structure mm-hmm. that they have for, for the animated stuff, but it, there might be some kind of bonus scheme that comes in. So if they sell 6 million units, then yeah. you'll get an additional bonus or then eight or 10, you know, mm-hmm. and if it does really well, then you can get some more. Um, yeah. but they're just, you know, I, the things I see it from both perspectives because, you know, as an actor, you kind of, I probably for Elder Scrolls did, I don't know, 10 or 15 hours, no, 10 or 15 sessions. So, yeah. you know, time that by four, uh, my math is terrible. It's um, like 60 hours. So it's, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a decent amount, but compared to what the artists or the writers or the, yeah. you know, the sound engineers, I mean, they are putting in so much work that I completely understand, you know, we're just the, the guys who come in at the end yeah. and just kind of, you know, do do a little bit of work. So mm-hmm. I understand it from the producers, the employer's standpoint, but uh yeah. but yeah, it's 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 a it's a really interesting it's a mm. really interesting negotiation. We'll we'll really see how it turns out. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. And I mean we've been um ever since the start of this podcast, which is over five years ago now, um, we've been keen to credit voice actors um and, and artists and producers and everything like that. But I think when when uh, when voice acting is is important to our experience, as it sometimes mm. is, I think it's important to try to get the names out there of the people who did it. And obviously, with with people like Nolan North and Troy Baker, now we are seeing um, people who are actually known as you know na- they are named actors. And then also you've got the situation with um, Stephen Ogg, who kind of not only played uh, a character in Grand Theft Auto Five, but it was also his sort of semi likeness as well and now Absolutely. he's in now he's in walking dead and uh, uh, and other high profile series so that's got to work i also wonder um from your point of view um I, I don't know if it works in the same way as it works in tv and movies I, I guess it can which is where if you got say a lead role in a smaller like independent production well re- but that was well received and and became well known that could lead to a more prominent role in the sort of triple a title space very much so, very much so. I mean, it's it's really interesting right now because like, there are so many threads here. First of all, um, so some of the big video games, they want the big celebrity movie star actors. So for Elder Scrolls, they got Kate Beckinsale and Michael Gambon and yeah. uh, you know John Cleese. They got movie stars in. Mm. Um, whereas for other games, 
you know, they go for big names, but within the voiceover industry. So, you know, I, um, you know, Nolan North is, you know, probably one of the kings of, uh, of voiceover world. But, no doubt. But yeah. I don't know. But he's not obviously as much of a household name, perhaps, as, as Michael Gambon. No. Um, right. And so it's interesting to see how that develops in terms of, mm. um, you know, in terms of name recognition, because that is a big thing for our industry in general um, is, you know, because, you know, projects for film, for TV will get greenlit. You know, they'll get given the go ahead. They'll get given the funding as soon as, you know, some well-known uh, actor is attached to it. Uh, that's so contingent on what the industry sees as uh, leading to success, um, a project success. You know, people will go and see it if it's got Tom Cruise. Um, or it's got, uh, you know, Angelina Jolie, whoever. Mm. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see what the equivalent for video games will be, whether it will be the voice actor, voice actors, you know, like Matthew Mercer or, um, you know, Troy Baker, mm. or whether it will be kind of movie star actors yeah. um, who, who just have kind of more, more household names attached. It's, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but I'm sure, um, I'm sure you're right that the way, you know, it's just like the industry in general, you know, you start off with kind of smaller roles, you people see that you do good work and it's consistent yeah. and that you're easy to work with. And then that, you know, your name gets out there and people start talking about you and they think, all right, yeah, this, this guy's good. And oh my gosh, he can do, you know, he can, you know, he can switch on a kind of Truman accent. So maybe if they're doing, you know, like battlefield one and a half, you know, they'll, uh, you know, they'll think, uh, yo, there's this guy, Raphael Corkill. Um, that was like my little audition right there. I like um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, I don't know. It's yeah. the things. It's so one. That's one of the most exciting things about video games is that no one knows how it's going to progress. It's 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 being invented. That's it. Um, yeah. As as we speak, um, you know, because because the technology is developing so quickly. Uh, I you know I played some of this PlayStation VR and it's unbelievable. Mm. Um, it's I, it's so cool. I mean, and it's still in in its infancy. You know, yeah. someone someone said that. Right now, video games is at the equivalent stage of kind of the end of talkies getting into kind of at the, at the end of kind of silent movies getting yeah. into the talkies. Yeah. So kind of like the yeah. 1920s ish. Um, and that's amazing. If that's if that's exact, if that's accurate, mm. that we're so early on mm. in the life of video games um, that we've got 80 years to go before it catches up to to film and you know who knows what kind of development will happen in the meantime absolutely yeah we noticed uh we when we when we covered grand theft auto 5 recently talking about the cast in that game we noticed actually that rockstar have moved away from stunt casting hollywood actors whereas mm. in in the earlier uh installments in the early 2000s uh, it was full of um burt reynolds and chris penn and uh, mm. sam jackson and goodness knows plenty lots of big names whereas gta 5 has very few of the 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 big Hollywood names in, um, in favor of obviously that game had an astonishing budget. Um, and you yeah. can see it in the world that they built, but they actually spent seemingly less of it on known actors. They, they cast, um, all, you know, not well-known actors as the leads. And, and, and I think in the end it worked out really well. Um, mm. and it also, in some ways it's that thing of it, it helps immersion. Like I, I really like some of the modern, uh, you know, big budget animations and, and they often cast, uh, you know, known uh, live actor actors in it. But I, I do sometimes um, miss the days of the sort of the, you know, there were some astonishing voice artists, obviously Mel Blanc, Frank Welker, people like yeah. that, who are just geniuses at purely being voice actors. They didn't really do live action, if any stuff. Um, and, 
And I think sometimes the industry, understandably, because it gets the name on the posters, but like recently there was a there's a Trolls movie mm. and you've got um, Justin Timberlake and uh, Anna Kendrick as, as like Gordon. two of the leads, James Corden. And these yeah. are all talented people and they, you know, they can all sing and they can all act and, and it makes perfect sense. But I, I think I'm, I'm thinking back to like the Animaniacs. You got like mm. Tress McNeil uh, and those guys being the Warner Brothers and, and Warner Sister, and <laughs> they 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 were just you know they are just brilliant at what they do, and yet they will often get kind of bumped down for 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 name you know billboard name stars, and I, th- I, I still think that's a shame. So I, I'm, I'd be happy to see the industry, um, you know, kind of celebrate its its voice acting talent without kind of feeling like it has to bring in. Um, think you know, like David Cage did in in his games, where he's got the likenesses of of Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe and people like that. You know, as yeah. as, as again as talented as those actors are, I'd be I'd have been just as interested to see an unknown, you know, relatively unknown, um, take those parts and without thinking, oh look, it's that person from that film I've seen, kind of thing. There you go. Well, I mean, there's a couple of interesting things. I mean, as as from an actor standpoint, that's amazing. So when you're known for your roles. Like if someone knows your yeah, roles sure. better than you, then that's then that's ideal. Then you could yep. have done your job better. Mm. Um, if someone says, uh, oh, you know, they're, they're talking about your character's name because that, that character's obviously not more real to you than a human being, but like at the same time, you know, you've just brought it to life in such a way that they just, you know, talk about, um, you know, uh, like Roger Rabbit. Like, I think most people might not be able to, you know, name, you know, who who is the voice for Bugs Bunny, but everyone knows Bugs Bunny, Um, you know, and it's, so that's really cool. Um, And then in terms of just, you know, voice acting itself, it's a really interesting thing that it it's, you know, it's not a different world to performing on stage or on screen, but it does require some specific technical shifts Mm -hmm. that if you've spent 30 or 40 years just doing on-camera stuff, it can be a bit of a, a an adjustment, a kind of a tough adjustment. If you're like, if you're a very well trained actor like Kevin Spacey, then you can just do it instantly, mm. um, and he's great in uh, in Call of Duty. Um, and but uh, <laughs> well, quite, yeah, absolutely. Um, but for uh, you know, so I narrate audiobooks. That's one of the other things I do. Ah, um, of course. And you'll get, uh, you know, and I love it and it's really wonderful. And there are some people who that's what their career is. And you can, you know, they've done really well just recording audiobooks. Um, but then sometimes say someone, you know, an actor, celebrity actor has written a memoir um, and they'll come in to, rec- to record it. It's tough. And there's this moment of, you know, where they'll play it back and it sounds terrible. Right. Because they're just not used to, to just being there with a microphone mm. and, um, you know, what would look amazing on camera doesn't necessarily read um if that's the right word on you know just when you have this the sound just when you have the voice um so it requires you know there's some that's why um you know the best the top voice actors get so much work because they have it down to a uh um to a t the specific technique of of how to perform for um for video games or for for animation um on top of the, the accents and the uh you know the the characterizations um yeah it's uh there's a couple of things it's yeah it's just going to be so interesting to observe you know how who becomes the you know the stars of video games um because i you know i've no doubt that it's the, the interactive media is the future in so many ways it represents mm-hmm. um the future of entertainment i think because you, you know players you know you know those who are enjoying it are doing 
they're not just kind of passively passively enjoying what what's going on on the screen or on stage. They're actively involved in their own entertainment. And what's what's cooler than that? I mean, that's to be mm. the actor, director, and almost writer of um of a, of an of an RPG. Um, you know, where you're deciding what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, and kind of you know you've created an avatar that's based on you know an aspect of you or you know your imagination. I mean, that's you. Can't, can't do that for, um, for traditional forms of, of entertainment. Um, yeah. You know, the the story for, um, you know, a movie is always going to be the same thing every time you watch it. Now, for sure, your enjoyment of it can evolve and you'll definitely pick out different things. But mm-hmm. the story is still the same, whereas it can be an entirely different story um, for a video game, depending on your decision, depending on your choice. I don't know. It's That's so, so interesting to me. I mean, that's one of the things I love about board games as well is that yeah. you know it's it's a world unlimited mm-hmm. um you know you're not forced down you know a certain path um you know and video games are you know allowing us to do that more and more so and that's you know that's really you know there'll always be room there'll always be a, a market for you know you've had a long day just sit back kick back and watch you know house of cards you know just kind of just to just enjoy it. but yeah. you know there'll also be more and more more and more of a market especially for those of us who have grown up with video games, um, to have that as our, as our foremost form of, of entertainment. Mm, absolutely. Now, before I let you go, just a couple of uh, little quick questions. Uh, yeah. Which game or, or series of games would you love, really love to get a part in and actually appear in? Well, those, I mean, those GTA games are extraordinary. Um, I mean, I played them back when it was that, you know... Um, where you're kind of looking down from, yeah, from above. Yeah, top down, yeah, first two, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and those, I mean, those were groundbreaking, mm. um, playing those. And then to evolve to this um, third person, um, well, and first person as well, yeah. uh, kind of story, which is so deep um, and constantly evolving. I mean, all, all the, the downloadable content that they produce just, uh, you know, just expands the world ever more. So to be, to be lead character on that would be amazing. Um, so, uh, so I, it's so, they're a really amazing, amazing, amazing company, Rockstar. Um, Mm. and their games are so diverse as well. Um, there's such range that they do. So yeah, for them, you know, the last of us, you know, if they're going to do a last of us three, um, you know, it's just, there's such purity to that storytelling. It's so, I mean, I've, I've on so many times just listened to, so when Ashley Johnson sings, Mm. um, uh what is it the she sings the song is disappeared from my mind um but it's uh but it's so beautiful and just touching you know things like that um you know naughty dogs uh productions are amazing um there's a lot of cool indie stuff out there that's um there's a company up in boston called uh i'm not sure how to pronounce it called dejoban um and they did a recent uh video game called um Elegy for a Lost World. And it was a lot of, you know, uh, romantic English poets mm. um, like Tennyson and Keats, um, you know, set to a game with great music. Um, stuff like that is is really wonderful and moving as well. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, uh, there's so much out there. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, the, the big kind of AAA games, you know, that tell a great story um, yeah. in which the story is integral um, to the gameplay, those, uh, yeah, those, those, those are, those are what I, what I love playing and, and being in. 
Well, I would love to play uh, a, a, an episode of The Last of Us set in, in England. I know you can do accents, oh but it, but uh, having seen, I don't know if you saw it, The, the Girl with All the Gifts recently. It's, uh, it's a film set in the UK, uh, oh. Gemma Arterton and Paddy Considine. And uh, it's effectively the exact same scenario as The Last of Us with the fungus mm. plague and, uh, and an immune girl. Um, I won't wow. say any more than that, but uh, well, yeah. worth, well worth checking out. Um, they did a lot with not a huge amount of money. I think, wow. um, and yeah, it's uh, it's got that it's got a very similar vibe and tone to to The Last of Us, but uh, but it's set in yeah in the UK. Uh, that's my recommendation to you and the listeners. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so finally, really, have you got anything that you've got coming up that you are allowed to allude to, or even tell us about any auditions, any jobs, any anything we can see or hear you in? People who have listened to the show and are now interested to put a face to the amazing voice. Oh, well, that's pretty good. Um, so this VR project is going to be amazing. Like it's I'm working with a guy um, who's based out of Harvard University. They're, I'm, you, you're probably aware that Harvard and Stanford are kind of really, uh, you know, breaking ground in yep. terms of online education. Mm -hmm. um, so they're recording all of their lectures and then just uploading them online. And they'll have, you know, 100,000 people sign up and watch, you know, a lecture about, I don't know, history or, or you know, kind of abstract mathematics or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so they've got this huge tech department at Harvard. And so, I mean, I can't go into too much detail, but we're working sure. on um, something that's going to be, that hasn't really been done yet, um, but involves acting and, uh, and just, you know, this latest technology. Um, so, I mean, the thing is, as soon as it comes out, which it'll be early next year, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, awesome. And, uh, you know, maybe you can update listeners on that because I think it could be amazing. I mean, that, yeah, the VR stuff is, uh, it's extraordinary. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just like a ton of auditions. I mean, there's Marvel's producing a lot of stuff at the moment that mm -hmm. you know, I've been going in for. Um, and I, I think that stuff is really exciting and, yeah. and really well written. Yes. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a few different projects I was reading for. So we go into what they call pilot season, um, in January and February and March, right. yep, which sure. is where they, you know, all these new projects for the big networks here, um, you know, they just cast and then shoot their pilots, which they then send out to be, you know, reviewed and hopefully greenlit. So um, that's actually kind of already started um, now. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of getting earlier and earlier. Um, so there's I was reading for something earlier on, um, which went well. And then uh, cool. and then, yeah, there's there's a few. Yeah. In terms of video games, there's there. I've been reading for some projects, but there's nothing immediately on the horizon. The thing is, there's all, you know, for Elder Scrolls, they uh, they brought me back, uh, you know, a month or two ago for some um, for some downloadable content. Expansion work. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, so all of these games, you know, that's one of the cool things is that the, it's not finite. It's uh, you know, it's, it's constantly going. Um, so. So yeah, so you know, each of these games, Titanfall Two and uh, and Uncharted, um, as well as Elder Scrolls, there might be more more of that happening as well um, in 2017. But uh, but no, the VR projects in particular, I, I'm really excited about because it because it, it combines, you know, my training as as a theater actor, mm. my experience on camera, and my passion and experience for video games. It's all of these three things um, kind of brought together. Uh, so we'll. Uh, We'll see. I'll let you know how, how it turns out. Look forward to it. And uh, yeah, do keep in touch even when you get far too famous. 
to speak <laughs> to the likes of us. Uh, I don't know if you heard, we recently uh, did a sound of play with Maya Santandrea, who is a stunt woman. Who, wow. Um, she's been, she was on uh, Captain America Civil War and she's on The Walking Dead and various other big series. Obviously, um, she doesn't, you know, act in the same way as you, but she does have, uh, she does, uh, she's played like a, uh, a lead zombie in a couple of scenes in The Walking Dead. So, Fantastic. so there we we talked about the, the fact that as a stunt performer, you have to be a something of an actor, especially a physical actor as well. So, um, oh yeah, she's basically you know, we're like well, we're like counterparts to each other, especially because totally, yeah. for especially for like battle, uh, you know, kind of war type games. You know, they'll you know I'm not a stunt guy, and I'm you know five seven, so I don't look like a military guy. You know, at least not uh-huh. believably. Um, so what they do is that they'll get these, you know, these huge six foot four kind of giants in to walk around with these, you know, um, you know, machine guns and, and then be the characters that, that we then put the voice to. Um, and I think because we do yell so much, I kind of think of ourselves as like stunt actors in terms of voice. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there is an element of, you know, of, 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 you know, danger of kind of pushing, you know, your physical boundaries, but just with your voice. Um, so, you know, we are, it's, it's the stunt guys with the voice actors who create a character together. Absolutely. All right. With that, Raphael Corkill, thanks ever so much for such an enlightening interview. Oh, my pleasure. This was really great. Many, many thanks.